This episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf. Manifest unique family memories at Meow Wolf Denver. Quantum travel is the most comfortable way for Earthers of all ages to explore a playground of imagination. And why visit just once when this immersive experience reshapes every time you enter? C Street is my favorite because C Street has this vibe of like 80s dystopian. There's like slime coming down the walls and there's weird posters. And then of course, the secret club. With the annual Portal Pass, drop by Convergence Station as much as you want for less than the cost of two adult tickets. So if you plan to go twice, it's worth it. Plus, enjoy discounts, special offers, and so much more. Get the annual Portal Pass and spend quality space time with your favorite Earthers today. Learn more at MeowWolf.com. That's MeowWolf.com. Today on CityCast Denver. It's Halloween, it's super cold, and election day is only one week away. But it's an off year, so me and producer Paul Caroli are talking about the important election stories most people are missing. Dark money, a scammer running unopposed, and a big, bolder vote on homelessness. Plus, thanks to a listener, we're digging deeper into an important question. Is Denver part of the Midwest? Today is Tuesday, October 31st. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Good morning, Paul. It's hey, Brie. It's our seven hundredth episode. It is. We should celebrate. That's a cool milestone. Have you ever done anything seven hundred times? Oh boy! <laughs> I mean, wake up in the morning for sure. I don't. Not really. I can't think of anything. It's quite an achievement. Kinda. I'm very proud of it. We've done a good job. Do you have a favorite of the seven hundred? I mean, I don't know. We've both been here since the very yeah. beginning. You asked me that question, I'd be like, I have no idea. I, I don't even remember all, half of them. <laughs> I don't remember what we did last week. Yeah. It's a blur, but it's been fun. We're still doing it. 700 episodes. Congratulations, yeah. Paul. Congratulations to you. Thank you, know? you. And you know what, listeners, if you want to hear 700 more, uh, At least. the best way to support the show, I mean, why not toss a plug in here, uh, become a member of CityCast Denver today. Uh, for as little as $8 a month, you can get an ad-free feed and the satisfaction of knowing that you supported your favorite podcast, helped us stick around. If you want to become part of that club, we would love it. You can go to membership.citycast.fm to learn more and sign up to be a part of CityCast Denver. All right, let's get to the news. For sure. Let's get to the news. It's election season. It's election time. We're one week out from election day. Yes. So ballots, got to get, got to fill in that ballot. Which isn't big. We're going to talk about yeah. some of what's on the, the Denver ballot for sure, but there's some other elections happening around the oh, state. Oh, yeah, all around the metro. What are you watching, Bree? This Boulder uh, initiative, question 302, um, safe zones for kids, caught my eye. Okay. Because, you know, I'm a parent. I'm like, what is a safe zone for kids? Yeah, I want kids to be safe. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, the safe zone for kids initiative would prioritize removing tents, propane tanks, and other prohibited items within 500 feet of a, of a school property line or within 50 feet of a multi-use path or sidewalk. So, I mean... This, it doesn't sound like it has anything to do with kids at all. No, it just sounds like another way to move people along yeah. is what I was taking it as. Um Interestingly, this is a citizen-led ballot initiative, meaning citizens hmm. came up with it, petitioned, got signatures, and this is how it ended up on the ballot. Well, can you tell me about Boulder's relationship with um, the unhoused crisis? Because I have got to say, I'm not that familiar. I mean, I've been to Boulder and run into some crust punks on the street. Sure. 
which used to be sort of a part of part and parcel of Pearl Street, right? Yeah, part of the, the culture. Say, agreed. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know about this issue or the politics. Not great, I would say. They're pretty on par with Denver in terms of um, the in, criminalization of encampment type, moving people along, not a ton of services available. Is there opposition to this? I know you said it was citizen-led, so I assume there's this yeah. group of citizens for it. Who's against this? So this was a group of parents that came forward about this because, like, again, it's it's supposed to be really focusing on uh, removing encampments around schools. Oh, I see. That makes sense. Yeah. That's the safe zones for schools part. Um, but parents and community members are on the other side of this, too. There's a group called Solutions Not Safe Zones who say the ballot initiative is, quote, asking the city to double down on failed policy, which is kind of the move along to where sure. situation their concerns are removing people from encampments without offering housing um, other sanctioned spaces healthcare, or accessible treatment that doesn't solve a problem something we have heard here in denver as well about asking folks to move on without having somewhere for them to go mm-hmm. um, their concerns in particular are that Continuing to relocate people increases uh, sanitation problems across the city, increases fire risk, and may push people to other areas like the foothills. Hmm. So, Interesting. So we really could learn something about how Boulder feels about the unhoused mm-hmm, crisis mm-hmm. this election cycle. 100%. Could be a turning point. This is a barometer for that, for sure. So, All right, let's go on to our next one. This, oh, boy, this is... <laughs> This is a, this a, one has it all. Bizarre story. Um, so it's a. I think this is a school board race playing out in Englewood. Yes. But Bree, there's a there's a particular person, Davon Williams. Yes, Davon Devon. I apologize. We really like to get people's names correct. I couldn't find a video hmm. with his name, so hmm. I apologize. So. <laughs> Devon's running for the school board, unopposed for the Inglewood School Board District. So he will win. He, Let's just say that at the top. He's running oh, unopposed. Oh, yeah, that's true. Even win. if he, he gets will like be on the school board. three votes. Yeah. <gasps> so this Twist. person, our soon-to-be Paul Inglewood's that's just school made, board member. Man, I was not putting two and two together there. You're correct. So uh, Davon Williams uh, or Devon Williams will be. The winner. Um, it should be noted he has no children, is not an educator, does not work in any school system, let alone Inglewoods. I know that is mm-hmm. not a qualifying thing. We can look at our own race for something similar sure, yeah. happening here. Uh, as a parent, I would say, mm, I'd be curious why this person wants to be running my child's school district. Um, but that's not the most interesting part here. Um, the biggest headline was kind of, he has a criminal record, convictions for aggravated motor vehicle theft, uh, theft of more than $6,000. In a case where he was essentially a shady party promoter, one of my favorite figures in all of live entertainment as a person that comes from live entertainment, mm-hmm. I love a good shady party promoter. Mm-hmm. They are everywhere. They always have janky names for their businesses. Like his is like DNE Entertainment or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, beyond this, he also has an active arrest warrant in Adams County for a shady car sale where he like sh- she sold somebody a junker. They tried to. You know, bring it back to him. The sure. car magically disappeared. Inglewood police found it or Adams County police found it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. This is all like current, by the way. Like this is that is his active warrant. What is is, is going yeah, on for him right now? Active arrest warrant. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, he also is one of those guys who loves to sue people. Um, <laughs> he's, he sued the guy who he stole $6,000, allegedly stole $6,000 from in this shady party promotion situation um, for defamation. He also... <laughs> So I want the, a school board member who knows the legal system. This, this, is, guy, this is a credential. He understands how to file a lawsuit. This guy's like the most old school con man on paper ever. Like, 
sued the city of Denver for a slip and fall incident while he was at the Denver jail. Nothing <laughs> says ambulance chaser quite like a slip and fall, though. I, I just so. got to say. Yeah. Uh, lawsuits involving various corporate and governmental entities, including a fight over mineral rights, because what story doesn't have a fight over mineral rights? <laughs> I can't explain it. He like purchased a, a property with mineral rights under that was under a tax lien, and then he was fighting with if he could have access to those. Um, so, Bree, this is like really kind of funny that this guy's running for school board, but also yeah. he's going to he's going to win. Yeah, this actually is a problem. I think. Right. Right. What, so, what do we do about this? Well, if he's elected, which he will be, uh, this is not a paid position in Inglewood. The school board is okay. not. But it is a four-year termed position and includes oversight of the district budgets and the hiring of superintendents. So if you have children in this school district, this has massive implications for you. Mm. Um, but all it does, I looked, I was like, okay, so what is required to be, how do you run? What do you have to, what are mm-hmm. your qualifications? You just have to be a registered voter in the school district for 12 consecutive months before the election, not have been convicted of committing a sexual offense against a child, Um so and you cannot be uh, campaign as members of a political party. So but I love okay. that the only legal implication is you cannot be a pedophile, which is sure. Of course, please. We don't want people running for school board. But the other things that he's had legal issues with don't have any bearing on this, I guess. How bizarre. I thought so, too, because I was like, can you can convicted felons run for school board? And it turns out. Um, this answer from the Colorado Association of School Boards Executive Director, Dr. Jubal Yeni, says, quote, that's not for us to answer. That's properly a question for the voters, as the organization doesn't have legislative or judicial authority to set qualifications. So basically, our hands are off this one. But the but the voters don't have a choice. Right. So I felt like a non-answer to, or like a, I don't want to be um, in charge of this situation. Well. If the police who are looking for this person with an arrest warrant out on him currently might want to know where he is, um, I have a guess. There might be a school board function. Perhaps a, a meeting campaign. of the school board or uh, and that might an save, election night event. Yeah. That might save voters uh, and the school board and children of the district from this person becoming their representative. One thing before we go, just my favorite mm-hmm. from Inglewood Herald's excellent reporting brought us this story. Quote, on his LinkedIn page, the 33-year-old Williams says he is the managing general partner, managing partner, principal owner, owner, CEO, managing director, president of operations and partner, and owner of two dozen different businesses. (laughs) So. He's entrepreneurial. He is shady. Super shady. Speaking of School boards. Yeah. Let's get into our race. Let's yeah. get into the DPS race. Big, big stuff here, Paul, is the ever-present dark money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we haven't touched on the, the DPS race uh, yet on the show. No, we really but, haven't. So I'll, maybe I'll just give like the broad outline yeah. of where we're at before we dig into the money. Um, folks who have seen their ballots, who maybe looked at some of the names on there already, will know that there are three seats up for grabs right now on the school board. This very unpopular school board that has been just wrecked with infighting over the last two years, t- terribly unpopular. Um, so in District 1, the incumbent Scott Balderman is facing a challenge from Kimberly Sia, who's a former head of a network of charter schools. Um, mm. And that's really the main difference between those two, at least from what I could glean from the reporting from Chalkbeat and the Denver Post, was Balderman is 
a big critic of charters and the reform movement and see as a champion. And that's going to be the, that's going to be the breakdown, I think, for a lot of these races. Like, for sure. We, we have a board that is, uh, we're all um, endorsed by the teachers union. A lot of critics of the reform movement uh, came in a few years ago in 2019. Now it seems like there might be some swinging back in the other direction with the unpopularity of this board. Yeah, I was just going to say the unpopularity of the board, like you mentioned, these folks, a good amount of the folks that are on the board now were backed by the teachers union yeah. who is anti-reform for the most part. Typically. Typically, typically. anti-reform. So that's... Although that's, the individual candidates, like none of them are going to be that black and white. Right. Where you can see that distinction is more in the funding and okay. the backing, which we'll get to in a second. Okay. Um, so District 5 is another one that's up for grabs. The incumbent Charmaine Lindsay faces a challenge from Marlene De La Rosa, who's a longtime DPS volunteer, a parent, seems like just a joiner, someone who's been really involved with city stuff for a long time. Okay. And then the, the big one is the at-large right. race. So this is uh, board Vice President Ayante Anderson's seat and um, facing off for this one. Anderson's not running. He uh, instead, Kwame Spearman, former uh, Tattered Cover CEO and still part owner of and the Tattered Cover, former mayoral candidate. Former mayoral candidate. The only one of the 17 who dropped out. Um, he is uh, he's a fan of school choice, fiercely critical of the school board. Um, his most ambitious proposal, I thought this was interesting, was to build teacher housing on DPS owned land. Never heard of anything like that I mean, before, I love that idea in theory. I don't know how the school board has any power over that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure how that would work. Um, so he's going up against, and I think it's really down to these two uh, main candidates because there's a third one, Brittany Johnson, who didn't respond to Chalkbeat's questionnaire. Um, apparently she's a DPS parent, but I don't I don't know that much about her. The other main candidate who I think has a really good shot at winning here is um, John Youngquist, yeah. who's a former principal from East High School, who says that he was motivated to run uh, by the way that DPS has handled the safety issue over the last couple of years. I mean, and talk about someone that would know that issue firsthand, yeah. the school where we saw shootings happen. Yeah. Um, so, he, I mean, he's just been around the district for a long time. He's been a principal. He was a DPS student himself. He, he opposed removing SROs from schools back in 2020 and then agreed with the recent decision to reinstate them. But anyway, that's the candidates. The more interesting part is the backing, the dark money. Yes. And when we're talking about the dark money here, we're talking about, like you said, it's it's really Kwame Spearman versus John Youngquist, right? I think so. I mean, that's the big ticket race. Okay. But it's it's all up and down the board because it's it's divided into kind of slates. So the teachers union has has endorsed Balderman, Lindsay, the two incumbents, and Spearman. But on the other side, okay, so there's this new group called the City Fund, which is a national pro-charter education reform group founded by two billionaires, John Arnold and um, Reed Hastings. Uh, they donated over $200 million to start this thing and to start competing for school boards all across the country. So Denver happens to be one of them where they think they can make a difference and start pushing for more of these reform, more pro-choice policies. Pro school choice. School choice, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that would have been Just, a whole. That's not, a whole other not, story, Paul. Abortion is not a part of this. No, it is not. But it is interesting that so much money is pouring into local school board elections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We did see Reed Hastings put some money behind uh, Mayor Mike Johnston's race, right? That's, we're getting there. I'm glad we're getting into that because I was confused too. That's a different Silicon Valley billionaire named oh. Reed. Oh, my bad. My bad. Sorry. 
That's okay. Reed Hoffman. Oh, Reed different Hoffman, Reed who H. founded LinkedIn, was one of the big backers of Mike Johnston. Also, they're both education reform guys. Two Silicon Valley billionaires who love education reform um, are very interested in Denver elections. Yeah, so that was Reed Hoffman. This is Reed Hastings. Okay. He founded, he co-founded Netflix. Oh. Very, very different. Very, very different. To the average person like me, not, not that at all different, different. <laughs> No, sorry. Um, Rich but, guys with an interest in my city. Okay. Yeah, but um, but Hastings and um, this Arnold guy who have been who have been supporting races and trying to push reform all across the country. Here they have given uh, 1.75 million dollars back in 2021 to set up some organizations to start pushing and start like raising money to to, to campaign and make a difference on our board. Um, but that's not all they're doing. According to Newsline, Reed Hastings, I'm quoting, Reed Hastings has called for the elimination of democratically elected school boards. Um, he also serves on the national KIPP, K-I-P-P, charter school board. Okay. And he built a training center in Bailey, Colorado to house the Pahara Institute, an education advocacy and networking group that supports the expansion of charter schools. In December 2020, wow. he, he he spelled out his vision. So this is their the, the quote about distilling like what he's actually trying to do. Let's year by year expand the nonprofit school sector uh, for the low performing school district public school. Let's have a nonprofit public school take it over. <gasps> I don't. Okay. I think what he's what they're saying is they don't really like the way these public school boards no. work at all, and they want to replace it with a different system, something more like charter schools. Man, this is makes me so itchy as yeah. a as a student of DPS. Yeah. So they graduate. spent 1.7 million dollars a couple of years ago, and then apparently, according to Chalkbeat, um, they're the ones that funded that TV ad, which was so unusual for a DPS election yeah. cycle. Um, that featured Mayor Johnston endorsing Youngquist, De La Rosa, and Sia. Marlene De La Rosa, Kimberly Sia, and John Youngquist have worked in our schools to improve outcomes for students, make schools safer, and ensure teachers have the resources they need. So return your ballot by November 7th, and let's get DPS on the right track. I thought I caught that out of the corner of my eye the other day when I was watching, I don't remember, some basketball game, and I was like, oh, what? A commercial for a school board race yeah kind of weird it's so weird paul are you a are you a product of public schools i sure am you are yeah. okay i'm i went to both public and private so i find this fight very fascinating i see the pros and cons of both experiences i i think it's just really interesting you know denver denver's for so long was nationally renowned as the cradle of the reform movement like yeah. really the vanguard of this new idea of giving more of giving parents more choice and like working more on data and standardized testing and then 10 years later we just totally regressed and went the other direction and i don't know if we ever had a real conversation about what worked and what didn't work yeah yeah i definitely am thinking about this more now that i'm i'm going to be making this decision for my child and it is really hard because part of me just like i'm really really set on him going to school in our neighborhood it's very important for me that he is within the culture of his community but i don't know what that looks like when if that school's not being funded enough or the yeah. school in our neighborhood doesn't have the opportunities that might fit his personality and interests at that time. I don't know. It's yeah. so. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. And then there's the fact that like, you know, we elect our school board members. Right. And because we do that, we end up with these weird little corners of democracy where we have felons <sighs> running for school board unopposed. Is that really I the mean, best way I'm to I mean, I'm more upset schools? that man is a shady party promoter, but. <laughs> 
No, but it is true, Paul, because I think too, I think about like, I, 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 I really like my um, council person. Jamie mm-hmm. Torres is very representative of the things that I value in my community, but it, it looks different once you turn and look towards the school board. And these are two, they're not sim, they're, they're similar in what they, how they function in my, my hyper specific neighborhood. But I don't think people think about it as seriously as say city council, not for any so bad either. reason. It's just like, it touches fewer can- people's lives. Yes. So, how many parents are there? Not as many. I mean, especially in Denver where there's declining enrollment, there's families right. going to the suburbs. We've got more and more young, childless, affluent people moving to Denver and that's that's who Denver is now so the board is just not going to be as big of a, a deal to those people and I also th- I have a, f- a very good friend who um, teaches uh, middle school in DPS and she loves her students so much and I just think about teachers like that and it's like how do I support what candidates are going to support that teacher that's what I want to know. So mm. that's the hard part. That's the struggle I have sometimes with these races is I don't get a feel for how they feel about their te- the work that the teachers do. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I really Can I ask you one question, though? I got this flyer in the mail. Tell me about About it. Kwame Spearman. Mm-hmm. And it said he was a bully. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? I just uh, want to know what it was implying. I read that? a little bit okay. about it. I know that Kwame says that he thought it was racist dog whistling. Okay. Um, and I know that the the same group that we've been talking about, this this Hastings and Arnold pro the reform pro charter. group, those people are the ones who are funding it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Complicated. Yeah. Complicated. All know. right. It's a low information, big money race, and we'll see what happens. Exactly. Um. We love to hear from you, our brilliant and hilarious listeners, because um, you not only respond to the things we say, you share stuff with us that you're seeing out in the community. Um, but Paul, what did what did we hear from our folks this week? Oh, we got some good ones this Yay. week. Uh, so this uh, this first one is an email from Ryan A. Hello, CityCast folks. Been a listener since the very first episode. 700 <gasps> episodes ago. Thank you, very Ryan. Very impressive, Ryan. Thank you so much for listening. Um, he goes on. And I look forward to listening to you daily. Thanks to today's episode, I discovered they just opened an L&L five minutes away from my place, and I no longer have to trek to Aurora. Um, Ryan's talking about the Hawaiian food conversation. The barbecue place, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I was literally (laughs) screaming in agreement when you mentioned a Loco Moco, which is my go-to order at L&L, along with a Spam Musubi to take home for a treat later. Perfect. When folks unfamiliar with Hawaiian food ask me what a Loco Moco is, I tell them it's like the Hawaiian version of a slopper. (laughs) (laughs) which inevitably leads into me talking about Pueblo and Coors Gray's Tavern, dot, dot, dot. Anyway, I enjoy my daily dose of all of you. Take care. I love that. Ryan, you function like I do. Like, oh, excuse me, is this an inlet for me to talk about something Colorado that you need to know about? (laughs) Because he's talking about the slopper, which is like a burger with green chili. A Pueblo special. Yes, yes. And the Locomoco is similar. It's just gravy is sort of the thing. And there's rice, but there's a protein and... I'm so glad that uh, other folks are really into this 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 Hawaiian barbecue place, and it is that you know that feeling when you're like, oh, finally, the thing I like is closer to me. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Mm-hmm. It's the best. One person who's not into this Hawaiian barbecue. Oh, thing, this guy, the guy who wears my clothes. Oh God, Paul. we ordered it for lunch last week, as we it said we were going bad. to. Not a single vegetarian option on the menu. No, so you had one of those sad vegetarian side item. Yeah, nightmares. A side of fries, like a side steamed of vegetables, and a side of steamed rice. And there was no sauce, and we didn't have any soy <sighs> sauce. And you really just ate a bunch of dry carbs and steam. Hey. My apologies, Paul. It's all right. 
Sorry. That's the next. That's the next iteration we need of Hawaiian food. If anybody's got a vegetarian streak, there's a niche in the market for you. For sure. Vegetarian Hawaiian. Hundred um, percent. All right, let's move on. We got a, another message here. This is a text from Laura. Hey, CityCast team. This is Laura from Foco, Fort Collins. If you're not familiar, I was there this weekend. Magical, magical place. Cute place. Um, Thank you so much for today's update on election shenanigans in the burbs. I haven't submitted my ballot yet, and I'm so glad I know now about the white supremacist running for office up here so I can support whoever's running against that guy. Look at us. We did a little public service. Yeah, you're welcome, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Also, thank you for voting. I know these like uh, non-presidential, whatever, low turnout years can Mm -hmm. be tough to get folks to do it. And thanks for doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, while since she brought up Fort Collins, I'll, I'll tell a oh, quick story. I was there actually this weekend, like I said, um, and uh, my wife and I wanted to go see Killers of the Flower Moon at the Lyric. They're oh, beautiful. That is a beautiful theater. theater mm-hmm. In part because we saw on social media that they had posted that they were adding an intermission to it because it's a three and a half oh, hour I long movie. I saw the drama over the you intermission. The, okay. The filmmakers did not yeah. like this idea. No, no, no. That's not how Marty wants us to see it. But it's three and a half hours. Uh, yeah, it's quite long. So anyway, we were excited about My wife and I, we were excited about the intermission. We show up on Saturday. We see the 1230 showing. No intermission. What? Yeah. The, uh, the studios got to him You were quick. in there till four o'clock, Paul. We had a great time. That movie flew by. Okay. Very sad. I don't sad. know about that. But Very sad. All right. Uh, okay. Next comment is from Michael K. Uh, he is writing in response to our comment last Friday about 42% of Denverites surveyed, I should say, said uh, claim that Denver was in the Midwest. And Michael K. says, quote, I'm a big fan of the podcast. What do we think about Mountain West? I grew up in Wyoming and I learned in school that Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho were part of that. Also, I'm receptive to Tim's argument about a shade of Southwestern culture, especially with the Latinx influence. LOL. I have heard Midwest before, but I would never say that. Maybe all the former Midwestern residents here want to project that on us. It was a fun discussion. <laughs> um, I agree, Michael. That was a fun discussion. Uh, oh, Paul, you have a hot take on this because you weren't well, on that show. I felt so left out because I'm from the Midwest. I'm from I know. Ohio. That's the, that's the deep Midwest. That's that the is, of the Midwest. That is the deep Midwest. And that's ranch country for sure. I, I don't agree. I don't think Denver is at all the Midwest. Thank you. I would say firmly the West. Okay. You I don't, would not say the Southwest. I liked, you don't think the San Luis Valley is the Southwest? Well, the San Luis Valley, yes. But the way that Tim said it, and I agree with Tim, is that the the old border of old Mexico, sure. where the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo shifted back, shifted the border, you know, the border didn't, cr- we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us, right. that whole thing. Right, right. Th- that border was in, near Puebla, where he grew up. It's not Denver. Denver was never part of old Mexico. I see what you're saying. So we cannot be like... Uh, putting our current geographical boundaries onto this thought because it's really about we are firmly in the West. That's how I feel. At that time. Okay. That's how I feel. I mean, as long as we're the West. West. Oh, I would I, I would agree. I agreed with Tim to the extent that I feel the Southwestern culture is the one I most identify with and mm. feels more most like home to me, I guess yeah. I would say. Not necessarily my culture, but my culture of my where I grew up. Yeah. So. But also a huge caveat on all of this. Like it's uh, all arbitrary. It doesn't matter very much. <laughs> it's all yeah. arbitrary. These, these lines move, and that's all like the time. Just part of how people are. Yeah, and Colorado is also like not that old. So I love that. I love that con- that uh, continuing conversation. 
Yeah, what, let us know what you what think. If you've got any thoughts about the, the Midwest, Mountain West situation, we want to hear from actually about anything we've talked about today or any day, any of the 700 episodes. If you got a comment from episode five from two and a half years ago, oh, gosh. call in, leave us a voicemail or send us a text at the uh, the CityCast Denver hotline. It's 720-500-5418. Once again, the CityCast Denver hotline is 720-500-5418. But if you go back to like the fifth episode, I don't want us to have to listen to it, Paul, because <laughs> no, it's really hard to listen to your previous work and not be very critical. It's so different. It's so different. It's like a different show. We were figuring it out as we went. And we yeah. appreciate that some of you have been on this ride with us the whole time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Bree. Yeah, thanks, Paul. This was great. See you tomorrow. See ya. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Inglewood School Board candidate Devon Williams about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. You and your Lord of the Rings is like me and the first uh, six seasons of 30 Rock.